I'm Jacob Tender. I am Mike Comite. And this is Bantha Fodder, episode 34. Oh, Mike, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Are you back on like the Star Wars news train? I, you know, you were kind of muted prior to uh, to the last movie, but have you turned the filters off? I did. And you know what I also did? I unmuted our own Twitter channel. <laughs> I had it muted for so long. We probably talked about this last episode. At the very tail end, I think it came up. Yeah. So I've actually been really enjoying us, us, and by us, I mean you on on Twitter (laughs) talking about Star Wars stuff. I like when you get snarky. That's my favorite thing is when you make fun of people. Yeah. I I try to take like a a snarky high road approach rather than like putting people down. And usually I only attack people that deserve it. I I never punch down. I punch towards people who are, are punching at people that are below them that doesn't make any sense but um you know like you know i'm talking about we're very righteous we're like batman but for star wars twitter (laughs) i like that i can get behind it yeah no like i'm i'm I'm, uh i'm having a good time making friends before we just kind of had this um news bot that i just had uh, you know filtering out certain rss feeds that i like to read anyway and And it would just spoil things it was like i've had it it muted since like rogue one i want to say i know (laughs) i know it's been bad and for like two years i meant to just turn it off um but i actually i could not remember the login information for the service that i had it hooked (laughs) up to so uh finally i just i was like you know what today's that's my project and i just shut it off and i wiped the entire account and uh then just kind of made new individual tweets for each of our episodes there in the backlog and then yeah now it's just sort of a more natural and curated thing where we can interact and i like it when it sounds like a person and it doesn't sound like a clickbait generator it's nice yeah yeah it's been good it's been fun and we're making new friends there's a lot of cool new podcasts that um are are engaged in the star wars podcasting community that um you know, I hadn't really talked to before. They're you know newer within like the last year or so. While I haven't really been using the Twitter, and, and so yeah, now we're there. Now I'm I'm not sure though because I I don't know what tone to take. Um, I I try not to say we if it's something that I don't think you'll agree with, and uh, and so then it's like it's a weird mixture of eyes. But I always feel weird when people say in the bios like tweets by so and so. So I I haven't added that. But, well, you can um, say like jake you can sign it from as jake oh, i hate that too that's also like ca- wasted characters i like to push right up to that limit you well, know no it's a waste when like tom hanks signs his tweets hanks hanks because <laughs> no one else is using tom's account except for tom and no, you know what like sometimes there are like on dave bazan the musician's twitter he puts yeah. like he'll sign it like if bob his manager is using his twitter account he'll sign it bob but for the majority I mean, I don't think any anybody besides Tom Hanks has ever tweeted from Tom Hanks's account, so it just says Hanks H A N X at the end of Tom Hanks's tweets every time. It just yeah. I, I guess when characters were more precious, maybe it was different, but now it doesn't matter so so much. I don't know. I, don't know. I hit that limit I, all the well, time. Well, once I once I have something to say about Star Wars on Twitter, then maybe I'll join in and we can. <laughs> I've given you the login information, but as far as I know, you've never Wait, used it. You have. Well, the account's been up for four years. I don't think I have the login information well, for Well, I it. can easily give you that info, but yeah, that's a good point. Um, Are there any shows you want to shout out, like, of our new friends? Oh, yeah. Actually, there is a new show called Star Wars Friends. It's the Star Wars Friends podcast. Uh, their Twitter handle, I think, is just SW Friends. Um, let me check that. I should have checked that prior. What makes their podcast great? Uh, they're just, they're fun guys. Like, they're, they're really, uh, you know, really passionate about star wars i think there's like three or four of them on the show 
And uh, yeah, they're all from Ohio as well, which is also cool. That's um, what makes them great. <laughs> I get it now. Ohio friends. Yeah, that's SW Friends Show on Twitter. They're very cool. They're very fun. Um, yeah, we, I was going back and forth with them over DMs, and we we're just talking about all of the different Star Wars shows that are from Ohio. We half count because you're based out of New York, um, but I'm here in Ohio. And then there's Idiots Array, uh, Tarkin's Top Shelf, Rogue Squadron, Hyperspace Hangout, Nerf Herder what Council, is, and I think there's more. With, what is up with podcasts in Ohio? We're very bored here in the Midwest. Star Wars podcast specifically. It's really weird. Yeah, there's a lot of us. You can't be that bored. There's more to talk about. Is it, do you think <laughs> Ohio just has, in general, like the highest amount of podcasts? That <laughs> could be. I don't know. If you read the Pod News newsletter, there are a lot of advertisements for different podcasting meetups in Ohio. There's one specifically for Northeast. So there's one funny. in Columbus. Because um, it's like New York and LA and Chicago are like the big three, I think, in terms of like where podcasts in America are generated from. And then if what if Ohio actually was the king of them all? I think per capita. We're, we're probably up there. I mean, like, yeah, New York, Chicago, of course, they have a lot of podcasts, a lot of the radio-affiliated-based shows, but there's also a ton of people in those cities. Ohio, That's we're really all just cool. kind of spread out in between cornfields talking about science fiction from our bedrooms. <laughs> Specifically Star Wars. That's great. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, Star Wars friends are cool. Um, maybe sometime, sometime down the line we can do a, a Star Wars podcaster Ohio meetup at some point that that could be kind of rad cool so speaking of twitter last week i spent a, a good number of hours on our account um frantically refreshing to learn more about uh project luminous i saw that hashtag pop up so many times <laughs> and it was mostly from you retweeting and i had no idea what it was i i did not know it was a star wars related thing it just it, it, I mean, it, that could be anything. Project Luminous could be, you know, like a Microsoft thing or like an Intel. It does chip sound or something like, that. like that. Yeah. yeah. Apart from like the, you know, if you know the reference, like maybe you might put that together. Luminous beings are we? I believe that was a, a Yoda quote. But it, yeah, this is it's sort of like this weird thing that's been going on in the Star Wars uh, fandom, just kind of in the periphery. It's you know, with all the movies coming out, all the TV shows, all the Disney Plus action that we have going on right now, it's it's sort of a thing that people have not been paying attention to much. How long has it been being thrown around for? It came up first at Star Wars Celebration in 2019 during the Lucasfilm Publishing Writers Roundtable. So last June, is that? Yeah, last last summertime at some point. Okay. We knew that this was going to be some sort of big, big push from from Lucasfilm Publishing. Uh, you know, a multimedia. Uh, uh, push of, of some kind. Um, but we didn't know what. And for a long time, we didn't know who. We, we had no idea what it was. There was just sort of a, a teaser banner uh, tossed up on the screen at Celebration, and that was kind of it. Um, Pablo Hidalgo kind of referred to it as a blank slate for authors to explore the world beyond the periphery of the Skywalker storyline, which we knew was coming to an end soon with the, the most recent movie that came out. And then over the last couple of months, people and entities related to the project revealed the names of the authors actually involved. Those being Claudia Gray, Kevin Scott, Justina Ireland, Daniel Jose Older, and Charles Soule. I know Claudia Gray off of that list. How do we know her? I think we talked about two of her books on the show. Oh, I mean, I know that I, for a fact, read Bloodline, and that yes. is one of the only books I've read. Okay. I wasn't. Did we talk about Lost Stars? I think that's the one I wanted you to read. You, you gushed over it many times. I love that book. It's very good. Yeah, so she, she's notable for Lost Stars, Bloodline, uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, and Master and Apprentice. 
yeah, so she's she's well known. Like we we like her on the show. I remember you really enjoying Bloodline as well. Like she's a great author. Well, enjoying Bloodline. I mean, I I think she's a tremendous and amazing writer. Yeah, but I think remember how long it took me to read Bloodline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, but I don't think that ha- that has anything to do with uh with her ability right. as a writer. Yeah. That's just more about book. your reading habits. <laughs> but like enjoying is like yeah, it's just it's like and if I'm enjoying you something, enjoyed it it's like slowly I can't put it down. On the if, subway. I, if, if it takes me like six months to read, that's my brain damage. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she's she's well known. Um, to to people in the Star Wars community, uh, a lot of the other ones are you know have also been involved in other ways. Kevin Scott uh, is probably most notable for his contribution with Dooku Jedi Lost, which was a audiobook first um, story that came out sometime last year. It was eventually republished in uh, in in a script you know based story format in books. Uh, he also did some of the you know comic books adventures in wild space he contributed to certain point of view that collection about um star wars characters you know from their point of view and uh and then there's daniel jose older also contributed to certain point of view and wrote last shot which i've yet to read but i'm kind of looking forward to uh charles soul is is You've probably read more from Charles Soule than anybody else on this list because he's primarily in the Marvel publishing end of Lucasfilm. Uh, he did books like Lando, Obi-Wan and Anakin, Poe Dameron, uh, Vader, Darth Lord of the Sith, and the new series Rise of Kylo Ren. I am so looking forward to Rise of Kylo Ren hitting Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. But for now, looking at that list, I have only gotten through Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith. Is that Dark Lord of the Sith or Darth Lord of the I, Sith? I wrote it down wrong, but it's uh, it's Dark Lord of the Sith. <laughs> I, I like Darth Lord. I wrote these notes during class. Um, All right, Darth Lord. <laughs> it's weird. I, I, your phone probably is the only phone in the country that would autocorrect dark to Darth if you were typing it out in a sentence. Sure. Let's just say I write, wrote this gigantic document on my phone. That that works. Hey, I do it. Um, okay. Dark. So Dark Lord of the Sith, was that the second Vader series? Or was that the first Vader series? That was the second one. I, I actually, I read through a bunch of these Marvel comics within you know, the past couple of months over like Christmas break and things. And I was texting you about them because you read these ages ago. I'm really Oh my behind. God. Well, ages ago, relative, because they hit Marvel Unlimited probably six months after they come out around, yeah. give or take a little bit. And so I'd probably, I read it maybe like six months prior to you reading it or something like that, which is six months after it had come out initially. So the whole world had known about it for a while. I'm late to the train. Yeah, we're we're always a little bit behind here, Bantha Fighter, but that's okay. We, we love it all the same. As, as evidence from our, our Mandalorian episode. We'll get there uh so yeah uh yeah he did that one um i remember not not liking that one quite as much as the first vader series there was a lot in the vader the first vader series that was like new and interesting and there was some stuff in souls that i don't know maybe didn't exactly contradict but didn't totally mesh with the comic series that came before it maybe i was particularly um sensitive to that because i just read them back to back well the switch in vader's uh costume was one of them right you know, I didn't notice much of that because I'm I'm kind of used to Vader's costume changing up a little bit. Well, no, no, no. I mean the switch that uh, Silo had to pause to like freeze Vader in his tracks. That's oh, the yeah. switch I mean. That was, yeah, that was my main gripe. So in the okay. first Vader series, you know, there's this character of, of Silo who, who's like this, uh, you know, mechanical mad doctor of sorts who supposedly implanted uh, 
like a control device in Vader's suit when he built it for him, when he built it for Sidious after uh, he, Anakin was picked up on Mustafar. Like a failsafe or something like that? Yeah. He basically has like a remote control where he can press a button and bring Vader to his knees, which is cool. That's like an awesome moment. I thought that was so neat. Um, but then in the second series, uh, Vader basically has most of his armor completely destroyed which is which you should note that is that takes his the destruction of his armor takes place before he would have encountered silo right yeah this is like the the dark lord of the sith series kind of explains um the second darth vader series is is a prequel to the first darth vader series essentially and a lot of it is about you know vader uh making his own lightsaber how Vader comes right, to his, and building his own it, building his own little castle on Mustafar, and you know, and part of that is his suit getting shredded, right? Yeah, and so while he's in a back to tank, um, you know, I, I I don't know if it was Sidious or, or somebody else that said that uh, he could get his uh, his suit fixed by somebody, um, but you know, still being Anakin at at heart in some ways, he wanted to do it himself. So from the back to tank, while he's floating in the back to tank, uh, he uses the force to, to fix his armor, which is cool in concept, but I feel like Vader's a pretty smart guy. He's mechanically inclined and it does make sense that he would do that, but it kind of, it kind of throws a wrench in the whole silo series because if, if you were digging into the suit, don't you think he would see that failsafe and, and, I don't know, do something about it. I, I don't know that that part just made me question, uh, especially with with Anakin being such a brilliant engineer too. I think we forget a lot of times that um, that Anakin built C three PO, so he's not like he knows like a personality matrix is, and he knows what electronics are and how to route them. He's not just like a kid following a Lego instruction when he's exactly. putting his suit back together. Like he would know. Yeah, I feel like it'd be across. something. He'd it's recognized. not a physical part that he that's sticking out to him. It's like he would know how things like this button's connected to the leg bone and this one's connected to yeah so that's that's a minor gripe but uh you know i digress um still charles <laughs> great series i really like the lando series a lot i thought that was fun um poe dameron had some cool stuff in there um looking forward to rise of kylo ren and uh yeah you know so this is a gr- uh, great group of people i think i i missed uh justina ireland in that that group she wrote Lando's luck which is a junior novel and spark of the resistance which is another junior novel so i think she's probably the least well known in the star wars community for that reason um primarily she writes junior novels which uh those who are reading the books don't often pick up because they're a lot of times they're just retellings of uh adult novels or young adult novels so anyway it's a it's a big group of people uh, that were involved in this and the, we just kind of found this out over over twitter over the last couple of months but uh, a press event was held on the evening of february 24th it was supposed to start at like 7 p.m uh pacific time which is it's kind of late i mean it's really late especially if you're in the east coast it's you know starting at 10 o'clock uh i think they held it at at disney parks um in like one of the conference centers or something there. And it, it, it started even later than it was supposed to. I think by the time things got rolling, it was like 1030 or, or 1045 at night. So it was like really late. <laughs> you could see all the so excitement late. on Twitter dropping off before the press event even started because things were running behind. Um, but it, it was a cool event. I, it was not live streamed, which I don't fully understand. Um, I know they had cameras there recording it all because a lot of the footage for that was used in the Star Wars show. Uh, later that week but no it was just is a lot of executives there kind of to explain the the process um the artists and the authors of uh the project luminous um books were in attendance as well um bobby moynihan was there to lead a panel bobby yeah 
and uh, and then just a lot of press. There's a lot of a lot of press folks there. I got it. Can I tell a Bobby story? Because it's yeah, probably please. the only place I can tell this when it actually makes sense and doesn't sound weird. <laughs> um, so my other show that I'm doing uh, for the Headgum Podcast Network is called Dead Eyes. Uh, Bobby was a guest on this show. I won't. I don't need to contextualize his guestness, but um, we were doing a Skype call. It was a remote call with him and. I, the engineer and producer was in the background of the Skype call, kind of in the corner of the frame. And like the person that Bobby's talking to, the host of the show that I'm working on, he, he, Bobby just is kind of looking, goes, he interrupts whatever conversation they were on. That that looks like Kylo Ren in the background. Oh, Adam driver behind you. And I, and I kind of just looked up and like broke my trance of just like listening to the the sound of the way things are sounding is what I do. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is he talking about me? And he goes, and, and our host just goes, <laughs> yeah, this is Mike, my producer, uh, but be careful. That's he a, killed his father. That's a great comparison. <laughs> and then again, at the end of the interview, he goes, like I had, I gave him the signal, like the, like the interview was running long and I gave him the signal to wrap it up. And he's like, all right, we got to wrap it up, Bobby. I'm getting the signal oh, from Kylo. Yeah. Adam driver just told me we have to stop. <laughs> Adam driver completely unusable in the episode. But. Yeah, I mean, well, contextually, because <laughs> the producer never will get described in, in this podcast. But like, it, but yeah. So, just for the record, anybody listening at home, if they're trying to picture what Jake and I look like, and they don't want to venture on the internet to find out, does I look like Adam Driver? I guess the thing is, if I stood up, I would very clearly not be compared to Kylo Ren. It's really just that I have like similar facial features, I guess, sort of. Yeah, and longish black hair, like messy long black hair. You're and between Adam Driver and Diego Luna. You're like a, a good cross between the two, I think. I'm like a Diego Luna size Adam Driver. Because <laughs> <laughs> Adam Driver is like roughly nine feet tall and 250 pounds. And um, that would be light, I think, for nine feet tall. But um, but yeah, I am very much not either of those two things. So if we stood next to each other, nobody would confuse us for one another. But from the background of a Skype call sitting down, I can, I can, I can get the Adam Driver. <laughs> Well, Bobby's right to be wary. He was thrown into a soda machine by Kylo Ren in uh, episode of SNL. Oh yeah, the the Matt the radar technician. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I think it might have been the the second one, the more recent one. But well, Bobby wasn't on the show. Oh, that's right. So it must have been the first one. Um, okay, so Bobby is hosting this panel. Yeah, he's a well known fan of Star Wars. Everybody knows uh, Bobby's big on it. He's done voices in uh, in Star Wars Resistance. Um, Chris Gethard made him destroy some really cool star wars toys an episode of his public access show uh <laughs> bobby has a is a, a long-time member of uh of the community so it was cool to see him there it was confusing because it was like oh okay I, i'm seeing people from slash filmer there and bobby was reportedly spotted on his way into the the room so does that mean that this is going to be more than books and it didn't turn out to be the case there you know they just kind of invited all the the science fiction star wars related press and slash film was in, included in that but um yeah, so they, so they talked about this project, Project Luminous, um, for a while a mystery, but now but now revealed. The idea for this project was actually spawned in 2014, which was a long time ago. It's wow. just crazy to think about 2014 in the context of Star Wars because how much has come out since then. It's just, it's insane. But this has apparently kind of been in the background for a long time, but eventually got kicked off after Lucasfilm Publishing's creative director, Michael Sieglin, invited all of these authors to take part in some at some point in 2018. So the conception of this thing was in 2014. So that's yeah. prior to the release of The Force Awakens, right? 
Yeah. Post Disney acquisition yep. prior to Force Awakens. So do you think that this cuz remember they decanonized the EU at this point mm-hmm. when when it was in like but they didn't tell us like that Project Luminous was happening or they didn't really hint that yeah it, it was going to be something. So do you think the decanonization was just like just to give it a long time being like, well, it's a, we're going to wrap up these the, the Skywalker saga, you know, by 2020, and we need to make sure something's in the thing. So we might as well decanonize this stuff now because we have other stories we want to tell in the current universe, and we well, also have. Well, yeah, I, I, I think I think to a degree that that that's true. Um, I mean, I don't think that they did all the decanonization for you know potential future books. I think it probably had more bearing on the large scale movies that they were planning at that point. You had to decanonize. The, the legends stuff to to make the force awakens you just you can't have those two things in tandem so i think that was the primary thing i think that this project luminous idea which didn't definitely didn't even have a name at that point uh was just sort of an idea by the publishing group to um to maybe foster some some more goodwill and open up opportunities for authors to play around in the star wars universe again outside of the the stories that we're going to be getting through the movies um, and, and wrapping up the Skywalker saga. So I'm, I'm sure the idea for this had a lot of different iterations over time, but it wasn't until 2018 when uh, things started to take shape. So that's post last Jedi that it started forming, right? I don't, it's so hard to say what the timelines are. Cause I don't, I don't follow the production of the movies, right? Cause I'm trying not to get spoiled. So I don't really know like where those, those things are generally in process. Well, last Jedi was released in 2017. Yeah. So if this started formulating 2018, that must mean they were on the trajectory. They knew what was going to happen with, with episode, uh, nine. Not necessarily because, and, and we'll get into this because the, the whole project luminous, um, property the 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 i don't know what you call this a campaign uh you know a a collection um it it doesn't have anything at all to do with the skywalker line so really it didn't matter what trevorrow or terrio or abrams or whoever wasn't involved in the last movie we're going to do because it has nothing to do with it this takes place uh, a long time before but we'll get into that um at this event i want i want to just kind of like get through uh how this event worked because it was weird um and, but also kind of exciting in a way when they started the event and I'm sorry, I don't have the names of all the executives. I just, I didn't have the time They're to, executives. to, to go back through. Right? Hey, sure. I mean, they, they do a lot of great work, but um, they kind of started off explaining to the audience that, uh, you know, it was, it was the expanded universe that kept the franchise going during the gaps between episode six and one. And then again, between episodes three and seven, you know, during those gaps between the movies, it was the books that kept people interested in the franchise. There was nothing else new coming out except for books like Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Well, or... There was video games, too, that sure. were popular. Yeah, but but I, I I include those in the EU. You know, there have been, okay. there have been pushes in the past that go beyond books. Um, you know, and the New Jedi Order was a, a, a big book campaign. There were a lot of New Jedi Order books. But then there were things like... Uh, Shadows of the Empire, which include video games and comics and books. It yeah. was like a huge, uh, big, you know, tie-in series. So uh, I think that is the kind of idea they're trying to foster for this project. That's the expectation they're trying to set up. Like a multimedia project. Yeah. Because that's, that's what Shadows of the Empire was. And a playground. You know, like Pablo said, it, this is sort of a blank slate era in time. Uh, they're revealing this era as the high Republic, 
which takes place 200 years before the events of the Skywalker saga and tells stories from a time when the Jedi Order was at its peak and the Republic was in a state of expansion. So the Outer Rim is unknown. Coruscant is in its infancy. Um, it's, this is a, a, a era untouched in the Star Wars canon as of now. So it kind of gives authors a place to play. That's so exciting to me. I know. I'm freaking stoked, man. Like, this, it's so, it's what we need. Well, it's also nice because it's not touching, as far as we know, the, like, the Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. This is the High Republic, so it's clearly not the Old Republic. But it's nice that, you know, that stuff, whether it's been decanonized or not, um, or recanonized through, like, appearances of certain starships or whatever, or names, um, like Revan and stuff, um, that stuff can still exist, and we're going to get something almost entirely new and that's yeah. very exciting to me because the lore is like the lore is really what's going to keep people i think in star wars and the opportunity for new characters you know like there there will be new characters that are pe- people are going to really enjoy and i don't know i i imagine anybody listening to this show probably dips into the the new canonized extended universe so they probably read some of the comics and i think one of the most exciting and likable characters in the new canon is dr afra who has only appeared in comics so far so there's a lot of opportunity she was like a little spin-off like not even a, she was like a side character in the first vader arc right yeah and then i think people just like gravitated to her she got a great response from the community and people and they were just like well this is you know somebody who really resonates with the readers of this comic so let's just give her her own line and yeah. her story has gotten better and better like there's been some really great arcs from her series recently and then there's even great characters in that series like magna tolvin yes I, I would i would imagine we're gonna see more from magna tolvin and other things as well there's there's a lot of really great stuff coming out of of this new canonized eu so it, yeah. it's exciting that there is an opportunity for that to continue on but that it won't be dependent on characters like Anakin Skywalker or Obi-Wan Kenobi or Han Solo. Like these are, these are people that existed 200 years before any of that. Uh, this is a point in time when I think the only characters that we're really aware of are still alive are Yoda, probably Adel. Smooth Yoda. We're going to get some smooth Yoda in this. <laughs> it's only 200 years before. So I'm thinking at the very least, he just won't have his cane <laughs> and uh, Chewbacca, M- Maz. I think there's potential for those characters to maybe make appearances but i like the idea that they don't have to you know my biggest concern of this whole thing like i, I don't want this to become a fan servicey thing like i want it to be totally original and as far as like as far as the universe can take it in terms of originality but like i want it to be i don't want them to be like oh and now we're getting to know like shmi skywalker's <laughs> great grandfather or something sure. like that like i don't want a skywalker to show up in the same way that i didn't like in like knights of the old republic when like a fet would show up or something like that like they just like have the fet clan kind of be there be like uh, like i mean this is ten thousand years prior to that like i don't know how the universe <laughs> works but it doesn't seem like this would be it um so uh, as long as this whole project does not become like a method by which we get like r2d2's creation uh or like you know as long as it doesn't like totally like as long as a chewbacca comic book doesn't emerge from like during this era like i don't think you'll see that at least not for a while i think they really want to see if this uh if the high republic can can stand it on its own two feet with the new characters that we're going to get i think there's already some crossover um with these characters in in the different books that we're going to be getting and there's been some teases already actually uh you know we haven't read the the new rise of kylo ren series but i have seen one particular frame that 
refers to uh, a, a specific um, space station of sorts that existed during the High Republic. Um, and there's an, another reference to a character that we're going to get in Charles Soul book. That, oh yeah, that's that's another thing. Maybe we'll, we'll probably get to this, but the Charles Soul addition uh, to this High Republic series is a book. It's a novel. This is his first Star Wars novel. He's a comic guy, so this is actually kind of a, a new thing for him. But looks uh, looks pretty exciting, right? So this uh, this this group of authors. Um, they get together to plan the project with members of the story group and Lucasfilm publishing executives, and they actually met twice at Skywalker Ranch. They all just kind of got together for um, some weekend events, once in September of 2018 and again in March of 2019, and they just started brainstorming what this could be. You know, the what's, the where's, the who's, the any. They just threw stuff at the board, and I, I'll have links in the show notes to some screen captures that I took from the the teaser video that show some of these brainstorming boards and it just has all different kinds of, uh, you know, interesting things that could be in star Wars circled. And some of those things are complicated monsters. Uh, something as simple as the force, um, Jedi heyday was one that I particularly liked. Um, <laughs> gray Jedi, which is, you know, something that was in, in the EU, uh, synth empire, rival houses, new points of view, crime stories, dinosaurs. Like there's, there's all kinds of stuff on here. Just, they're just throwing stuff out there to see, what sticks, what inspires. And one of the, the biggest key questions that kind of led this new story, this new era in the history of the Jedi and in Star Wars was what scares the Jedi? We don't really know yet, but um, there have been some hints. Uh, one last note just on the uh, the announcement in the press event. Uh, concept artist Ian, McKe- Ian McCaig was also invited to those events at uh, at Skywalker Ranch. Not to be confused with... Uh... Ian McKay from Fugazi. Right? right. No, this is the concept artist who is probably most well known for designing Princess Amatala and Darth Maul for episode one. Um, this guy is great. His work is incredible. So he was involved in that process and kind of fleshing out uh, the characters and the, the places where these stories might take place. Um, so what we know. The, the High Republic, that's the name of it. This is an era when the Galactic Republic and the Jedi Order are at their zenith. Um, it's a hopeful, optimistic time and a golden age for the Jedi. But it's also a time of great galactic expansion. Uh, it was first mentioned in that Dooku Lost audiobook that I mentioned um, by Kevin Scott. So he, he, I think he was the first person who got to allude to the secret project that everybody had to, to keep under wraps for months. I'm sure that was kind of a, a cool, exciting thing to just kind of hide in there um, for a later payoff. But uh, the Jedi in this era are going to be a little bit different than the ones that we know. From everything that I've heard in you know from this event or from from folks who were in attendance and, and got to talk to the, fo- the, the people making this thing. Uh, they kind of refer to the Jedi as more of a Walker, Texas Ranger type. You know, they're patrolling the Republic as they expand. They're kind of, you know, they're venturing out into uh, the unknown regions, which at this point were, were much greater than they are in, in the later saga. And yeah, they, they just kind of patrol. Uh, they've been referred to as, as more knights, um, but not, quite like the Knights of the Old Republic. Again, this is thousands of years after the time of Darth Bane. Uh, it's sort of an in-between time. And I, I think this is interesting because this isn't, they're, you know, they haven't made any, any promises or anything, but it doesn't seem like the big bad during this time is going to be the Sith. So the challenge that they have is to come up with a new foil to the Jedi that isn't the Sith. And I, I think that is going to be really interesting. Yeah, I saw some concept art. They didn't name anything 
besides like the main enemy that is going to be there. But the right. main enemy that they debuted in that video you showed me, it didn't seem like a force oriented group. It seemed, they yeah. seemed more like scavengers or, or whatever, you know, like they're called the Nile. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's spelled N I H I L like nihilism, but it pronounced Nile and they were described as space Vikings. Yeah. And they definitely had that look too. You don't really see, there's no lightsabers that you could see in the concept art or anything. So they're not like your typical Sith. I mean, maybe there'll be some force connection there, but, uh, I mean, space Vikings, space pirates, it just seems more like a trade faction or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is going to be a time of, of piracy. It's prior to the Republic really extending its reach throughout the galaxy. So, you know, it's, it's going to be unstable and there's going to be a lot of different kinds of factions. I imagine, um, like the Nile or other kinds of pirates. Uh, I, I, it's an interesting thing. I don't know. I don't know exactly where they're going to, where they're going to go with this. Uh, they, they talked about, um, this new ship called the Starlight Beacon, which I'm already in love with. It's like my new favorite thing. It's already the background of my phone. Uh, it's, it's a waypoint of sorts that was mentioned in Soul Star Wars number two. Uh, it's placed in the center of dark zones to act as a beacon for travelers. So as they're you know colonizing the planets in the galaxy, uh, they have this gigantic space station that just kind of sits in between and sends out beacons so that people can navigate their way there. This is prior to any uh, hyperspace lanes there's no uh, known way of travel through here. It's all a, a new land. It, it, it's an age of discovery. So uh, it's kind of cool. The Starlight Beacon, there, there's pictures in the show notes. I'll probably have chapter markers here too. It's uh, it's just this kind of floating spire. If anybody watched the Star Wars Resistance series, it kind of looks like the Colossus, um, but a little bit taller and has what looks like the same tower as the Jedi Temple on Coruscant with that hmm. dish sort of thing on top. So maybe some kind of tie in there, but the one thing that they, they talked about with, you know, what scares the Jedi, they kept tying this into something that they're calling the great disaster. And we don't know fully what this is yet. You know, it's going to be a while until we get this book. So I think they're announced for August 25th of this year. So a couple months left to wait. Um, but this great disaster supposedly causes starships across the galaxy to be abruptly knocked out of hyperspace, which as you can imagine, probably lead to all sorts of trouble. And this is something that the Jedi are going to have to contend with. That's very brilliant. I think too. I mean, star Wars, the, the, the original trilogy, you know, it's based around a lot of different things and you're looking at it from certain like Luke Skywalker's perspective, a single character, but looking at like the bigger picture events that kind of draw that whole saga together, like the destruction of Alderaan, and the destruction of the Death Star, um, and then, you know, the second Death Star. Like, those are, like, that's stuff you'd read about in the newspaper on some planet super far away or something like that. And so I think it's very, very smart to kind of have a great inciting event that just is, I mean, you could only guess what it could be. Right. It causes but, a bunch of ships to get knocked out of hyperspace. But it's still something, it's like a shot heard around the world. It is something yeah. that is going to be big <laughs> right yeah the potential for impact across the galaxy is, is is great so it lends itself to uh stories told from all over the place all, all sorts of uh cause and effect could could be happening there it's a point of reference for every story to kind of take place around i guess so again these books are coming out in like august uh august 25th uh, a bunch of them are, are up for pre-order now the only ones that are not are the comics but uh i want to take a look at these books with you and, and kind of get your first impressions based on the the uh the covers so um in our doc here i i have them all listed out we'll start with claudia gray since we like her okay um 
Her book is called Into the Dark, and the summary for his book is as follows. Padawan Wreath Silas is being sent from the cosmopolitan galactic capital of Coruscant to the undeveloped frontier, and he couldn't be less happy about it. He'd rather stay at the Jedi Temple studying the archives, but when the ship he's traveling on is knocked out of hyperspace in the galactic-wide disaster, Wreath finds himself at the center of attention. The Jedi and their traveling companions find refuge on what appears to be an abandoned space station. But then, strange things start happening, leading the Jedi to investigate the truth behind the mysterious station, a truth that could end in tragedy. Is this a YA novel? Or yeah, is this... yeah, I believe okay. this is YA. So, um, by Claudia Gray, the only note that I was able to find from her on this book so far is that the inspiration of the story was to take Matthew McConaughey and put him in a spaceship. All right, all right, all right. Well, <laughs> so she saw Interstellar, I guess. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just thought, uh, <laughs> I thought that was an interesting quote. The cover here. So that's the Padawan. Matthew McConaughey is the Padawan in this case. I'm guessing. Oh, we only we can only see two characters here on the cover. Which Matthew McConaughey is she putting in a spaceship here? I mean, is this a very old Padawan? Is this Dallas Buyers Club? Uh... That was not a healthy Padawan. <laughs> <laughs> if we're doing Dallas Buyers Club, mud, mud the Padawan. That that was the turnaround for me. You know, in his career, seriously, like I saw mud. And I'm like, he's actually not that bad. He's actually Talk pretty good. Girlfriend's past. No, not that one. Mud, he was able to keep his shirt on for at least three-fourths of the movie. Failure to launch? Nah. <laughs> Fool's gold. Come on, let's just... Didn't see it. I'm just naming romantic comedies now. Okay, so that's a YA novel. Um, I, I think I think it's wrong to be dismissive of YA novels, but, like, you know, sure. we read a, a YA novel, I think, early on in, this, in our show. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like... All right. Well, most of, of consequence. Most of hers, like Bloodline, I think is is maybe technically a YA novel. I, I'm not. You think? Not certain of that. Uh, Lost Stars definitely is, but that was really good. And uh, and what was the other one we watched or we read? We read. Uh, it was one of the uh, the Jason Fry books. Weapon of a Jedi. Yep, that's the one. Yeah, that that was the one I was referring to, and that felt very. I mean, you could feel the YA. I would say Bloodline is not. Um, it's not a YA novel, but again, what do I know? And I don't also don't want to be dismissive of, of uh, a YA novel. I mean, it yeah. stands for young adult. I mean, Harry Potter's YA, right? Sure. I would guess so. I mean, I was really into Animorphs for way longer than I should have yeah. been. And <laughs> so, I mean, what do I got against YA novels? Nothing. No, I, I think the difference between a YA novel and an adult novel is the marketing. Also the adult, well, the marketing and also like the content sort of, I mean, like we, this is a, a joke that we come back to a lot on this show, I think, but the courtship of Princess Leia is most definitely an adult novel, mostly because I believe there are night sister boobs in it. And <laughs> I just feel like, like very specifically referenced night sister boobs um elderly ones and hey you know what that if that's what makes an adult star wars novel you can leave me right back at the the ya train <laughs> i'm gonna get you to reread that book for our uh, i can't our pledge drive. i honestly i honestly can't i can't <laughs> a pledge drive um, <laughs> what are we raising money for for us we gotta keep this show on the road yeah oh my god <laughs> okay so the next one on this list is a test of courage by justina ireland this is a middle grade novel so again this isn't a junior novel which she's been known for this is called a middle grade novel um, when a transport ship is abruptly kicked out of hyperspace as part of a galaxy-wide disaster newly minted teen jedi fernesta Rowe, a young padawan an audacious tech kid and the son of an ambassador are stranded on a jungle moon where they must work together to survive both the dangerous terrain and hidden dangers looking in the shadows see i like this you know that's great yeah see 
you get knocked out of uh, get knocked out of hyperspace. Everybody's getting knocked out of hyperspace. You can end up on a mysterious uh, spacecraft, uh, some kind of you know station floating in space that's been abandoned. That's that's kind of cool. That's creepy. You get trapped in a jungle. That's a whole different genre of story. There's a lot. It seems like there's a lot of fodder for uh, for different kinds of Star Wars stories here. Just just simply kicked off from this galaxy-wide disaster this is not the same character on these two covers right i'm looking at a young blonde-haired white male with a lightsaber and one on the left hand side and then on and the test of courage covers also a young blonde-haired white male with a cape and a lightsaber i think they're different yeah you'll find that the um during this time the jedi all kind of had a sort of regal garb you know very very ornate like king arthur sure yeah very arthurian but I think these are different characters. But the one interesting thing on the cover of this book, which I want you to take a look at, is that droid. The droid? Yeah, you yeah. see that droid? Let me zoom in on this guy. It looks like a 3PO unit, sort of. Does it look familiar in any way? Spaceballs? <laughs> it looks like Dot from it does. Spaceballs. <laughs> it does, actually. <laughs> Minus the skirt, I guess. No, that, that's not what you're, I assume but that's that, not no. what you're trying to get me to. That's, uh... Okay, well. <laughs> well, good luck getting that out of your head. Yeah, dang it. Um, no, uh, somebody pointed this out on Twitter. Uh, Star Wars Obscura, I'm giving them credit for this. Um, ME-8D9 is Maz Kanata's protocol droid and is rumored to have begun her operational life working with the Jedi Order. Oh. So there's a potential tie-in here already with Maz Kanata. When did we first get introduced to this protocol droid? I think it's Force Awakens. It was, this was just a character that stood in the background or something like that? Uh, yeah, probably. And I, I think probably okay. got fleshed out a little bit in the the visual dictionary, but I thought that, yeah. was a, that was a good spot. I don't think I would have caught that myself, but it was a, it's a good spot. Okay. Um, Star Wars High Republic Adventures? This is an IDW comic. I think IDW What's that is... For? It's, is that just a, the, a brand? Yeah, it's the brand. I've not read any of the IDW stuff. I think they do the like the regular Star Wars adventure comics. Mm-hmm. I think these are geared towards children more. But we got some new characters here, and these ones have names. So Farzaza and Lula. What kind of creature is that? What is Farzaza? That's a good question. You think it's a Bothan? Uh, I don't know. Dude, I would love if we finally got a Bothan. I'm sure this has been explained. I think Daniel Jose Older has been uh, talking about this quite a bit on his, uh, his Twitter. So there may be um, something about this character species already, but I wasn't able to find a plot summary for, for either of the comics, but I thought that the, the characters look kind of cool. Every time I see a cat, like furry humanoid, I'm like, Oh, this must be a Bothan. And every time I do, I just, I'm disappointed. It's not a Bothan. I need like an official version of a Bothan, like a canonized Bothan at this point. Cause it's, it's just, we don't have them yet. Right. They're invisible half the time. Aren't they? What? Can't Bothans go invisible? Not some, that's not something I remember from the X-Wing series, which Bothans were very present in that. Yeah, they have stealth, which lets them turn invisible. I'm I'm basing this purely on Star Wars Battlefront. Wait, you have Bothans in Star Wars Battlefront? In the old one. Oh. If you damn. were a Bothan spy, you could turn invisible for a short period of time. It was awesome. So is that official then? Do we have a Bothan? I believe they're canonized in some way. I know they're canonized as existing, but I want to see what they look like. Right. Hmm. I feel like this has come up on the show before. Have we not looked into this? I don't know, but I'm looking at this one from Star Wars Battlefront, and I am... Oh, yeah. I don't think they have a canonized look. Uh, that's what I was waiting for, is one to show up in one of the sequel trilogies, but all we have is this Battlefront thing. Very cool. Well, if it is, that's awesome. That's already a, that's already a contribution I appreciate. 
Uh, on the cover of Star Wars The High Republic, the Marvel comic, we get a, a really good look at the Nile. Um, we got two Nile members here. Uh, one is obviously a Twi'lek, and the other one is is Sabraki or Dathomirian. I have a hard time uh, determining which is which uh, between the two. But It could be Romulan. You never know. Um, <laughs> He's got a mask on, and um, this, so interestingly enough, like this, this is a as far as comic covers go, a very non-dynamic. I cover. think this is a variant cover, specifically. A variant for, cover, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. It just like normally you on comic covers, you have more of a background and less of kind of like a concept arty feel, and you have more of like what you see in the, the picture to the right, which is you're showing me like more dynamic. But I do look forward to this because this is something I will be able to get on Marvel Unlimited, and. I'll only have to wait until December to see it. Six months after August. <laughs> yep. Yep. Sometimes the stuff comes out. I feel like the Star Wars stuff comes out a little bit quicker. Don't you think these characters kind of remind you of Enfys Nest a little bit from the solo movie? Yes. Those are the the little, the children, right? That were confronting yeah. Han at the end. Okay. Yeah, they do have that kind of vibe. The the kind of, the ragtag warriors with the, the steampunky sort of vibe. Well, the masks, I think, are really the big, uh, factor in in that kind of uh the similarity because those kids all hid behind masks but i like it i think it's cool and then in the next one the light of the jedi do we see a wookie with a lightsaber we do we do and we know its name we do we do the wookie's name is buriaga agaburi wouldn't that be funny if it was like uh whatever his name is black kirstan or something like that <laughs> and that he actually got started as a jedi and fell by the wayside and became a bounty hunter um, but no, we'll say, say his name one more time for everybody. Buriaga Agaburi. Cool. <laughs> and the, the woman in front, uh, who I think looks either like Jodie Foster or maybe Florence Pugh. I'm just trying to do some early casting here. Uh, her name is Avar Chris. And uh, well, she actually first appeared in Kylo Ren number two. I, I won't give any spoilers, but there she makes sort of a, a hologram appearance in, in that uh, that title. So not a lot known about her yet, but this is, this is the cover that got everybody buzzing the day before the press event because it was found, um, published a little bit early on one of the, the star Wars book sites. Um, you know, I think the, the placeholder image was replaced with this maybe a couple hours too soon. I think it's probably a controlled leak to build up buzz, but, um, pretty exciting. I think it's a really cool cover. There's some interesting stuff on here. You can see the starlight beacon out in the distance. Um, got three or we got four jedi here one is uh one's a wookie two are human and then you have a twi'lek sort of looking thing but i don't know if it's just the angle or or what but do you notice anything weird about that twi'lek in the corner only one brain tail yeah it's only got one laku and that's kind of a weird thing i don't think that's something that we've necessarily seen before so i don't know if it's a different species or just uh, a variant of twi'lek but kind of uh kind of cool Hmm. The guy on the right looks like Jimmy McNulty from The Wire. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not familiar with The Wire, but I, I'm sure you're right. Summary for this book. Uh, this, yeah, the that. summary for this book is 200 years before the events of Star Wars: The Phantom Menace, in an era of glorious High Republic, the noble and wise Jedi Knights must face a frightening threat to themselves, the galaxy, and the Force itself. This is a very, very generic one um, because I think that this was the uh, the placeholder title for the the High Republic thing in general and they just kind of made it the page for light of the jedi so there may be a more um detailed plot description of this to to come but it is this one is also available for pre-order as well great there's more to come this is just sort of the first phase um of the high republic there's obviously going to be a lot 
lot more as uh, I'm assuming if this goes well, <laughs> there will be a lot more, uh, a lot more stories from other fiction artists and, and comic book creators, but there's also, uh, Promise st- stuff from other publishers like Abrams, DK, Insight, and Viz, which is kind of interesting. Abrams usually means like art books. Uh, DK, obviously, they're the they're the folks that publish all of the visual dictionaries. Um, I don't know anything about Insight at all, uh, but Viz is really interesting because that's like anime and uh, and manga type stuff. So we could be seeing some more um, more Star Wars manga, and there hasn't been a whole lot of that, at least not. Uh, official canonized stuff so that, that's kind of a, a cool thing something to look forward to there's also been a lot of really great concept art um you're probably familiar with the work of phil noto in in some respect he's done artwork for comics and books uh you've surely seen his work online but uh there's been a couple of different pieces of uh of concept art that's that's come out that i think is worth examining and the first one i want to look at is this uh this this splash of Jedi's with different colored lightsabers. And there's a lot of stuff to dissect here that looks uh, promising. And I don't know if any of these characters are going to show up in books. There's no promise that these characters actually exist. This could just be concept art to like get people's brains flowing, but it does inspire. Uh, so I want to, I want to get your thoughts on, on some of these characters on this, uh, this art here. Maybe let's start at the, the far left. Okay. Kind of looks like Marvel's vision. <laughs> You know, lightsaber, but that double-bladed lightsaber, wow, that's interesting. It's like a giant tuning fork lightsaber. Yeah, because it's double-bladed, but not in ways that we've seen before. It's just two blades coming out in parallel uh, mm. out of the top of the hilt, which is kind of cool. What's, well, because isn't a lightsaber supposed to be like a plasma arc as it is? That would mean there's four uh, like arcs, or there's four entry points, like there's four terminals, I guess, on this lightsaber. Um, all right, next person, I like the the what do you call it cross guard i guess kind of around their hilt yeah it's, it's kind of weird it looks like a little bit of a, a metal claw and she's wearing some some kind of magneto-ish headgear what is that wolf thing is she riding a wolf it's a loth wolf okay the dire wolf close yeah it's the it's the star wars equivalent if you've watched rebels um the loth wolf is a is a known entity there they're strongly associated and attuned to the force so um, I think a lot of people were super stoked to see this on the, on this piece of artwork. Okay, and next guy is not his lightsaber is not ignited, which I feel like is <laughs> symbolic for some reason. He's just we, floating it or throwing it. We don't know. Yeah, just tossing, tossing it, it up in the air. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe his is broken. And when they were taking this picture, and by picture I mean drawing. Maybe he's just a real cool cat. Um, this is, this is the same brain tail guy, and he just had it swooped around the other way. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. It's it's tough to say, but sort of a, a normal looking Twi'lek. Um, well, have... I like his his the hilt on his one has an even more intense cross guard, and it's yeah, not it like uh, the cross guard that shows up on Kylo Ren's. This is like an actual metal hand protector, which I can't imagine would actually protect his hand, right? If it's a lightsaber, yeah, probably not. Unless it's you know some kind of uh, resistant material, which does exist. I think we've talked about that in the show before. I, I think one note that we're uh, we're missing on these is the color of the sabers. So the tuning fork saber is completely white, yes. uh, as is the garb of and the garb and the the face of the the person holding it. Um, the second lady that has the loath wolf, she has a pink one, like a hot pink one. It's kind of cool. Um, this twilight has a yellow one, which seems to be the new thing. It seems to be very in vogue right now. Can I say I really appreciate you going through these colors with me? Because as you and dedicated listeners will know, I am not very good with colors, and I thought that twilight's. Uh, lightsaber was red so yeah it is it's yellow um <laughs> thank you and and so maybe i should point out to you that uh 
that Luke has a, a yellow lightsaber in the new the new Star Wars comic. So when you uh, eventually get to the new Star Wars comic and Luke gets a new saber, it's yellow. Oh, wow, that's cool. Which is significant because he hasn't had one before. I don't know if you know that. I don't know that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't had a yellow one in the past. He's had different well, colors. He's a sabers. green lightsaber. He's like blue and a, a green. I guess, unless yeah. You, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay. So then is we. This, uh, is this uh, the Chris person? I don't think so. I think okay. uh, different this blonde hair lady. Um, this is the height of the Jedi, so I'm imagining there's just like a lot more Jedi than we've yeah, ever had before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Looks like uh, you know, young blonde got a blue lightsaber. Move it on. We got a a bald person. And their lightsaber is green. Kind of looks like a, uh, what's her name? Ventress. It kind of, kind of peachy, peachy normal looking, um, like human, humanoid skin. Just maybe a, a very pale human. Looks like, eyes, uh, though. looks like Noho Hank from Barry. If anybody watches that show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then we got, uh, looks like two Zabraki folks here. I, I don't know if they're sharing a lightsaber, but one is kind of behind yeah maybe they're twins the twins or something like that okay i like that that's cool um we've seen uh death mirian brothers before why not some some normal zabrakis that's pretty cool and is this like a what do you call this is a a bosk type character trandoshan trandoshan jedi that's pretty rad actually i don't that's not something we i think we've ever seen before yeah usually they're bounty hunter depicted um now is is in his left hand is that like a blaster type lightsaber i can't really tell the way he's it's being held it almost looks like he's like has it like a handle of a gun but like kind of like a yeah he's type. like you know pointing it pew pew up into the air yeah it does look like that which would be cool maybe a dooku blade or something uh the last one is really interesting too so yeah definitely the most remarkable one on either side of this piece of art there's the tuning fork gal who is completely all in white, has a white saber of of a new type, and then the other side we have uh, we have a, a darker individual, a species unknown because they're wearing uh, like a mask, a mask that reveals their eyes. Doesn't look like they're kind of looking towards the Trandoshan next to them. Like, hmm, I don't know. Well, when we say, I just want to make sure it's clear that when we say mask, it's not like a Darth Vader mask or like a Kylo Ren mask. It's a mask like a veil across their face. Right. Yeah, so we yeah. can see their eyes peeking out. But I think the really interesting thing here is it appears they're holding a dark saber. Yes. That's so strange. It's definitely different. The hilt looks very is long. Yeah. It's a long hilt. Ah, oh, that's so cool. I hope these are characters just simply for that. Like I, I want to know more about um, the characters on either end of this. I think that's, yeah, definitely. Uh, that's pretty rad. Um, below we've got some more looks like we actually have a bith as a jedi mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting that's new you don't really see them in in action type roles so they're usually playing instruments right below them it looks like uh in what what's uh and they're from Utapau. what's their name is it just Utapauian? i don't i don't actually know i got no idea the name of that species is but um it's the like the inquisitor inquisitor species so it's something we oh, have seen before right. Th- this could be the grand inquisitor i don't know how long they live the inquisitor's not human i didn't know that no i don't know it's from Utapau, former jedi and then um and then turn to uh turn to the dark side i just thought it like is he, he his body changed <laughs> yeah no i'm not very far into rebels yeah you gotta finish that show man it's pretty good uh and then the front's the front one there looks like a, a either a short one or a padawan learner of some sort but i don't even i don't even know it looks they look chiss 
They have blue skin and looks like maybe reddish eyes, but they have gigantic horns. Just don't have horns, yeah. I don't know what that is, hmm. but pretty cool. There's a character in the Poe Dameron comic who is not a Chiss, but looks similar to a Chiss. She's a female. She's like the reporter character in the Poe Dameron comic that turns into a pilot. <clears throat> but uh, and she's like sharp teeth. It's not a Duro? Not like a, a gigantic Cad Bane type head? My my mind is a sieve, so uh, no way I remember <laughs> Okay, <laughs> the actual name. It's probably the most interesting bits from the concept art that we've seen so far. Uh, yeah. Again, I'm in love with this the starlight beacon i think it's a really really cool looking station i'm stoked for I think it your 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 gif of that uh just kind of hovering over that planet which i think we assume is coruscant like mm-hmm. i i think uh is a really great work of yours and everybody listening should check that out yeah i'll probably put that in the notes um i spent way too long on that i had to i had to <laughs> i had I to update your, photoshop <laughs> just to get it exported because my existing version of uh, Photoshop Creative Cloud just couldn't handle it. Um, I did another one, too, which I'll be putting on our uh, newly revitalized Instagram page, which is, again, Bantha Fodder FM. Um, it's, uh, it's actually that poster that you can see there where it's got a bunch of Jedi, and they're, they're holding up their lightsabers above their head. I took a bunch of time and edited out all of the lightsaber beams and then uh, animated them back in. So they're all igniting all at the same time. It's kind of cool. Wow. <laughs> I should monetize this somehow. I don't know that you can, but you should try. <laughs> I don't either. <clears throat> Hire me for all of your uh, artwork animating needs. I think it's so exciting that Star Wars is going to become what it was to me as a kid. Because you and I, I mean, maybe not you as much because you had the prequels, but like I, I had you know, Shadows of the Empire hit right when I was like right in my prime of yeah. Star Wars and everything like that. And that was not something I could see in movie theaters. So I had to read the book. I had to play the video game at my friend's house, of course. They, but it wasn't something that was tangible, like on screen, at least, you know, like so, it, which meant a lot of it had to take place in your mind, you know, for the stuff like, I mean, Dash Rendar was on the cover, I think, of Shadows of the Empire, but for the most part, you know, you had to imagine what his voice sounded like, and you didn't get his voice in the video game, so it was just like, uh, I I think it's just, it's exciting to me that imagination is going to be kind of the fulcrum in making Star Wars again. Uh, Like, and when I say imagination, I mean the viewer's imagination, Um, because, you know, we're going to have to give these characters voices in our heads, we're going to have to imagine these places and these rooms, and, you know, for the past uh, how long have we been doing the sequel trilogy for? Since 2015, for the past five years, we've just been spoon-fed TV shows and movies every year, uh, just giving us exactly what we thought we wanted. And it's just, you don't really have to flex your brain for that kind of stuff. Yeah. You kind of just sit there and absorb it. There's no it imagination. And, right, and you have to be, and, and I think there's less chance of disappointment when you're making the story for yourself in your head, when you're actually using your own brain to kind of, build these settings and hear these voices it's just i know i'm harping on it at this point but it just it's an exciting feeling to enjoy star wars in that way yeah uh and also to just get away from the skywalker saga it's yeah. just yeah well, yeah it's kind of it's time not a bad taste in my mouth but just kind of like a you know i've been eating cheerios for a while and i <laughs> i need some uh need some free loops crispix i don't know that's a weird cereal right <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree with you though. I, I thought the same thing. You know, I thought back to when I first read the Harry Potter books, and I, I reread those books so many times before the movies came out. And 
when they did, it was, it took a really long time for me to really come to, uh, I don't know, to, to separate the two in my mind, not because the movies leave stuff out or, you know, they interpret things differently. Cause that's just something that you're going to get in any sort of on-screen adaptation. But in my brain, I had those characters and what they look like and what they sounded like and how they interacted with each other. That was all there. What the burrow looked like every setting was in my brain. And so when I saw them on screen, it, it just felt off. Right. And t- enough time has passed where I think mostly I've forgotten what those settings in my, my brain look like, and it's just been replaced, but w- with what we see on screen. So I, I like being able to dive into a world and to um, flex my own muscle because you've got the author who's telling you a story, but you get to do the rest of the work beyond the illustrations and the, the descriptions of this, the setting you get to fill it out. It's, it's your coloring book. You get to make it look like whatever you want to look like. And um, that's, that's definitely a pretty fun thing. And then another fun part of that is that once everybody, everybody will start to pool their visions of people together. Like if you think of like Corin Horn from the X-Wing series or any of the other aliens that you had never really necessarily seen before those ideas all got pulled together and artists on like deviant art or whatever forum pick your pick your art forum Mm -hmm. um would just start you know putting these images together of what these characters look like and you can pretty much go to any novel or any any book or whatever and and you know like a stephen king story or something like that name any of them and Google them uh, picture and, and you'll see some amateur artists or maybe professional artists, you know, they, they probably make money from it, but like someone who is not, you know, employed by Lucasfilm or, you know, one of the major book publishers um, to make these things. And so like, sure. Yeah. There's like the, that internal imagination that you and I and everybody who reads these things is going to be coming up with in their heads. But then we get to kind of share that with one another and be like, Oh, you imagine them as a blonde or whatever. Like, Oh, you imagine them yeah. as like, Oh, his, like his t- the tentacles coming off of this dude's face. were like, I, I thought it looked more like this or his skin was going to be this color. And that's the fun part to me is like seeing down the line, what these things actually turn into. And then inevitably a movie will come out and kind of just change everything. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like that. Dr. Afra hasn't like shown up in any uh, other medium besides. The oh comic. yeah. Me too. Because I'm not totally sure who would, who would play her well enough, you know? Right. And, it, and they, and they make it so ambiguous on, you know, what exactly she looks like. Cause every artist does interpret her differently. And that's in, you know, professional publishing every, every different, when Afra gets handed off to a new set of, uh, of, of comic book makers, she looks a little bit different than she did before. And I like that there's, it, it's a continuous story, but there's variants and it kind of keeps your, your brain going and, and filling in those blanks. But, yeah. um, so yeah, that's, that's it. I don't know. I, I, we, uh, we, we went through everything that exists so far. There's not much to be known and there's still quite a long wait. Uh, I've got all my books pre-ordered. I'm really excited to dive into this because it's, it's something entirely new. Um, it doesn't really require a lot of previous knowledge of the Star Wars universe to get into. So if you're looking into, you know, you've seen the movies, you like the movies, you're not sure where you want to start with the books. Um, if you don't have like a favorite character that you can, uh, read about more in the existing novels, this might be something interesting for you. You know, it's, uh, it's Star Wars in a different time. It's a different era, different setting, um, different conflicts. So I think there's a lot of potential here. I'm hoping that they deliver on that and that it's uh it's exciting enough to people that they can keep it going because i want more more stories like this uh out in the universe with characters that we don't know um and i think 
this might be a trial run. So if this goes well, maybe they'll they'll go back to the old republic like everybody's hoping they will. Mm. Um, I think this this might be uh, testing the waters for that sort of thing. But we'll see. Would be great. Okay. Well, unless uh, unless you got anything else, Mike, uh, I think that's that's got to be it for this. We went for a full hour on something that doesn't even exist so no i got nothing else um because this was entirely for my benefit uh of of learning what i missed (laughs) yeah well that's that's what i'm here for um i will do all the the heavy reading and you can um you can learn i don't know like (laughs) this is it's such a fun show to do because i feel like you and i um we have different bases covered. We do. And it's it's like constantly fluctuating like who has the more who has more interest in Star Wars right now. Like I, I won't lie, there was a time when I was getting kind of bummed out on Star Wars and I wasn't really sure if the show was something I wanted to keep doing. And during that time, you're reading a crap ton of comics and sending me frames and 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 stuff and it was piquing my interest and and yeah, it, it's uh it, it's fun to to talk Star Wars with friends. I'm excited there are other podcasts out there that are uh, you know, talking about things like the high Republic and, and other stuff that um, aren't just the, the typical thing that we can talk about with our coworkers when it comes to star Wars. I don't think we have a lot of friends that are reading the extended universe books and, and all that just kind of the movies and the TV shows. So, right. It's the best. All right. Well, we'll call it for this one. Uh, hopefully we'll come back soon with, uh, with an episode about the Mandalorian. We're a little bit late on that, but uh, I do want to talk about it while it's still fresh on, on our minds. Cause I, you know, we I, did it on purpose. We, we waited on purpose. We just waited too long uh, by accident. We waited on purpose for it to finish. We wanted yeah. the full season and then, uh, yeah. and then life got in the way. Right. Well, life finds a way uh, to get in the way and you should uh, go to our Twitter feed at Banthafodder FM uh, and our website is that a thing still it is it's fm slash episode slash 34 we will see you next time or talk to you next time okay bye catch you later we are so rough <laughs> any smoothness that we ever had is gone <laughs>